you would turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 4. Chapter 4. Here we see the early church in her infancy. God had sent His Holy Spirit and indwelled His church. He dwelled in Zion. He said, I've set my son upon the holy hill of Zion. What that means is he's, Christ rules and He reigns, He rules His King. In and through his church. He came on the day of Pentecost and Peter stood up to preach and God saved 3,000 souls. We saw that Peter and John were going into the temple, going there to preach the gospel. And they were going in. Here lay a lame man, laid there for 40 years. And he asked an arm of Peter and John. He said, do you have any alms to give me? And Peter said, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have Give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, you rise up and walk. And he jumped straight up and walked. And nobody could deny what our Lord did to that man. Not only physically, but it was something greater. He healed that man's spiritual lameness. We're lame, born lame on both our feet. We can't walk. We don't have the ability. We don't have the strength to support ourselves. And God saved that man. And through that man being saved, it disturbed the scribes and the Pharisees. They can't deny that a miracle has taken place. But they say, we don't want you to teach or to preach in this name Jesus Christ. They threatened them because they couldn't lay hands on them or they put them in, kind of in, in jail or prison or a cell overnight to see what they were going to do the next day. They said, they called all the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious people of that day, and they go, what are we going to do with them? We can't punish them because if we do, it's going to make all the Jews mad. We can't do that. Yeah, I tell you what we'll do, we'll just threaten them. That's how the world likes to do, just threaten. If you preach anymore, you don't want to find out what's going to happen to you. Trying to scare them. And Peter said, if it's right, you judge you judge whether it's right to obey God or to obey, obey man. We're going to obey God. We would, they will not stop preaching the gospel. And this is what the enemy has always wanted to do. He wants to stop men from preaching the gospel. And he tries to use fear. He tries to use threatenings. But it doesn't work. Peter's not the same man he was when he denied our Lord three times. And he was kindly a coward then. There we see Peter. But here we see a man standing, the same man. What's happened to him? He's filled with the Spirit of God. He's not afraid of man. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. He knew who he believed. He knew who healed that man. He knew he hadn't done it, but he knew the Lord did. And what we see here in this early church, we can learn a lot of things from how they did things, how God worked through them. You imagine, they, I know that there was another 5,000 that was added to the church. Where, where are they meeting? They don't have an, an organized church, but they're gathering, I'd say, probably in little groups, just like us tonight, 
You know what they're doing? They're worshiping the Lord. Now, Peter's been gone for two days. They went one day, and you remember they put him in prison. Then the next day, they had a they had a hearing, and they had a council, and then it was the next evening before they turned them loose. Can you imagine what the people are thinking? Well, what's happened to Peter and John? We thought they would have been back by now. They said they were going to the temple. Well, they did. Well, where are they at? What's happened to them? You can imagine how we would feel. That's how they felt. Let me begin reading. We'll be looking at verses 23 through 31, but let's begin reading in verse 13. Now, when they saw, this is the religious people, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They were just not formally educated men. They were not, these were not ignorant men. Peter wrote the gospel, the, uh, the epistles of Peter, and John wrote the gospel of John. These are not ignorant men. But they, that's just how the world perceived them. When they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they may have judged them by what they were wearing. These were just fishermen. They marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That's what made the difference. They had seen our Lord risen from the dead, and they were not speaking on borrowed information. They're speaking from the heart. And beholding the man which was healed, verse 14, standing with them, they could not say, they couldn't say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them, as manifest to all of them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, we won't stop this spreading. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them, because all the people, of all the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. There's no question. Who did it? There's no question who gets the glory. Glorified God. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. It's amazing how the Lord healed this one man and how he used this man just because people could see a difference in that man. And I'm here to tell you, if Jesus Christ ever does a work of grace in a sinner's heart, they're different. I know he's still the same Peter, but he's different. This man was different. You could see it. You could see it. They took knowledge of Peter and John. They could see they could, had been with Jesus. They could perceive that they had been with Jesus. But they let them go. And what's this? Verse 23. But they let them go. 
And they went to their own company and reported to all the chief priests and elders and all the priests and elders had said what they had said unto them. Peter and John's being set free. What's the first, where's the first place they go? They wanted to go be with their own company. Wherever those people were meeting, they needed to be with the Lord's people. They didn't, they didn't go straight home, and we know Peter had a wife, and he had a mother-in-law. He didn't go straight home. They was something more important to him than going home. He wanted to go meet with God's people. These people probably, more than likely, had been praying for Peter and John. Peter and John had been warned. They'd been gone for two days. Notice what they didn't do. They didn't go to the courts and say we're going to file a lawsuit against the Sanhedrin. That's how men think. We're going to get back at them because they mistreated us. They didn't have a right to treat us that way, and they didn't. But they didn't go to take out a lawsuit. They wanted to be with the people of God. Now listen to me. Nothing is more important. Now listen, nothing is more important to a child of God than being with other believers. I missed when y'all were not here. I missed you. And I know you missed it. We do miss it. I know that there's times that we maybe can't have Wednesday night, and it seemed like a long time from Sunday to Sunday. We need each other. Paul, Peter, and John needed each other. They wanted to share what they don't know about the lame man. They want to share with him about this lame man that our Lord had healed. They want to share with him how they preached the gospel and 5,000 were saved. They want to share with him what these men told them to do or not to do. Then they told them what the chief priests and elders said unto them. They said, you, you know what they told us to do? They told us not to preach anymore. Don't preach in his name. We ain't going to have it. We're not going to let it go on. We, we'll let you slide this time. There ain't much. We can't do nothing to you now. But as we go on into the book of Acts, they didn't stop. Eventually, they will lay hold on James and they will kill him. They lay hold on Peter and cast him into prison. They intend to kill him. But they didn't. When David, the king, man after God's own heart, when he was forced from his very throne and he was forced to live in the wilderness, he had to live for fear of his own life. Above all everything else, he longed to be with the brethren and worship in the house of God. Listen to Psalms 84 verse 1. Psalms 84, verse 1. How admirable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found the house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, 
O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They shall still be praising thee. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. That's the child of God. That's a believer. Your soul longs to worship God. The Spirit of God inside you longs to glorify and honor God and to meet with God's people. Our Lord promised where two or three are gathered together in his name, not just two or three gathered together, but where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in the midst. And we're going to see that he is... He does meet with them here. He is in the midst. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, David, let's go to the house of the Lord. When God's people meet together, it is the family of God meeting together. I don't know of any of my family, sisters or uncles or any of them who believe God, but you are my family. We are family. You know what we're reading about? We're reading about our family. We're reading about our family history. Peter and John, they are our brothers. They were our brothers in Christ, and we see what they suffered for preaching the gospel. When we are sick, when we are burdened down and depressed, we need to be with our family. I love it when we stand around after church, just stand around and talk. Sometimes you stand around for an hour. Sometimes it might be an hour and a half. Why? We won't talk. We won't talk about the message. We won't talk about him. We need the encouragement. We need encouragement. Psalms 133.1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. No bickering, no fighting, nobody trying to be bigger than somebody else. We're all saved by grace. We dwell together. And he's the only one that can unite us. Dwell together in unity. In unity. <clears throat> Verse 24. And when they heard that, when they heard what? The report of the priest and the elders. And when they heard that, what did they do? They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. With one accord. Now, that doesn't mean everybody lifted up their voice at one time. It's not like every one of us stood up and we're going to pray. I've been in those things. I really, I've been in what they called, they'd call preachers up to the front of a church and everybody's praying. And you couldn't even think. Everybody's praying and somebody, one's praying. You can't even listen. You can't think. God does always everything decently and in order. When I tried to lead us to the throne of grace, you were praying in your heart, calling on to God, and that's how God ordained it to be. They were all praying with one accord. 
Their hearts were knit together. How can you be, how can anybody? We're so different. How can we be of one accord? Only grace can do that. And it said they all with one accord. And they said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. What did they begin to do? They didn't say, oh, what are we going to do? They told you not to pray. What are we going to do? No, we're going to pray. We're not just going to say prayers. We're just not going to repeat words. We're going to pray. You know, one of the greatest privileges we have as a believer, the, 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 the ability and the access to the throne of God to be able to pray. Our Lord said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. They didn't say, let us take up arms. They didn't try and rally everybody together in some religious cause. They didn't ask Peter and John to resign because they were causing such an uproar. They prayed. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer is such a weapon, listen, that nothing strengthens the hands of God's church and his servants in the work of the gospel like prayer. If you ever see your pastor struggling, you pray for him. You say, give my preacher something to say. Give him a word to say it and give him the boldness to preach it. Because he's just a man just like me. Paul said, pray for us. Pray for us. They said, Lord, thou art God, which made heaven, earth, and the sea, and all that in them is. Nothing encourages God's children like being reminded of God's greatness. This is our Father's world. There's enough. If you if you watch any TV or on the internet, or if you any any way you get access of anything that's going on in this world, it's depressing. But let me tell you tonight, God is still on the throne. That's what they said. First thing, he, he rules over all things. God who made this. God who made what? He created all things. All things were created by him and for him, and by him they consist or exist. I'll give you some scripture, Isaiah 14, 24. The Lord of hosts hath sworn. God has sworn, saying, what did he say? Surely I have thought. So shall it come to pass. As I have purposed, so shall it stand. Verse 26 and 27. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord hath purposed. And who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out. Who shall turn it back? What's that saying? God is God. And they knew he was God. And if God be for us, who can be against us? If he's my God, I don't have anything to fear. Anything or anyone to fear. 
And that's how, that's how Peter had boldness. He didn't, he didn't care. They could threaten all they wanted to. He didn't care because he knew God had called him, and he knew God had sent him. And he knew who God was. He's not some little peanut God. He's not some little God trying to save and can't save because men won't let him. He's God. This world needs to find out he's God. What does that mean? He rules everything. He can show mercy to whom he will show mercy, and whom he will, he'll just leave alone. Here was a man named Nebuchadnezzar, ruler over the largest kingdom of that day, Babylon, Babylon, great Babylon. It'd be like, a, it'd be like the president of the United States ruling over America. You know what he did? He walked out one day and he said, look at everything I've done. Look at all I've made. Look at my great kingdom. And God said, you forgot something. You didn't make it. You didn't create it. God said, here's what's going to happen to you for seven years. Your hair's going to grow out like eagle's claws, eagle's feathers, and your fingernails are going to grow out like eagle's claws, and you're going to be like a madman. If God left people alone, they would be mad. Some of them are mad. But you know what? God in his mercy brought that man to his senses. I believe God saved that man. I believe he opened that man's eyes. And here's what that man said. At the end of the day, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that lived forever and ever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, just grasshoppers. Nothing. Shall the thing formed say unto him that formed it, Why have you made me this way? And he doth according to his will among the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stop God's hand or say unto him, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing these men to persecute my preachers? It's God's will. He rules over all things. The heart of a king is in the hand of God. Like the rivers of water, he turns it whichever way he wants it to go. He can turn it toward favor toward his people, or he can turn it the other way just like he did Pharaoh. He said, for that purpose, I've raised you up. The man who sits in the White House or the one that sits in the Kremlin, no matter, doesn't matter where they are, they're his. He raised them up for his purpose. Why? To save his people. God ain't stopped saving his people. He's still saving his people. Back to verse 24, and when they that heard that lifted up their voice, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, and where did he say that? I read it to you in Psalms 2. Why did the heathen rage? Well, why do they rage? Think about that for a minute. Why do the heathen rage? You know, you've seen people that were just in a rage. Crazy, just in a rage. It seems like man is just in a... Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. They imagine that their house will live forever. That's what they imagine. They imagine a vain thing. 
Do you think you can stop God? That's a vain thing. A vain thing. The kings of the earth stood up. We ain't going to have it. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against the Christ. For of a truth against our holy child Jesus, and they are saying what they're doing, they're looking, they're, they remember the Old Testament, and they said this is what God was describing when the Gentiles and the Romans and the Jews and all of the Greeks were all gathered together. The Jews and the Romans couldn't get along. The scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they couldn't get along, but they could get along long enough to gather against our Lord. Everybody gathered against him. Everybody said, crucify him. We don't want him. That's what they said. For of a truth, they were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. We gathered together to worship him, and they were gathered together to crucify him. They're all gathered. Now listen, people can disagree about a lot of different things, but when it comes to gathering against the child of God or against the church of God, they are, it doesn't matter if it's a Catholic, whether it's a Mormon, whoever, whatever denomination it is, they will all gather against Christ. You know why? Because they hate him. That's not changed. But they knew it. They said God told us this would happen. We, we now see why they were all gathered together. We won't have this man to reign over us. And you know what they preached to those people? That one you crucified, that one you crucified, the one you took outside Jerusalem, he didn't stay dead. God raised him from the dead. What did God do with him? God set him on his holy throne. He rules. And men don't like that. He's Lord. What do you do with the Lord? You bow to him. It says, verse 28, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined to be done. What's that saying? It wasn't no accident. Why were they, why were they gathered together? Now, men are responsible for what they did. They did exactly what they wanted to do. But they did what God ordained to be done. God decreed that his son die upon a cross several hundred years before it ever happened. That was God's purpose. You want to know what God's purpose is? Just look around. What is God's will? Well, just look around. God determined it. You know what that does? That sets me free. What's God doing? I'm, I may not understand, but I know understand this much. I know God's overruling all things for his own glory and our good. I do know that. That's encouraging. What encouragement would there to be if, if everything just happened by luck? You're just unlucky, Cheryl. You got sick. That happened for a reason. We may not understand it, but it didn't we bow to it. Our lives are in your hands. 
We don't have to live in fear. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. God's ways are not our ways, and his ways are past finding out. They're trying, they're, you could see they're trying, well, what's the Lord doing? Well, why did he allow them to threaten us? Verse 29, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Lord, they threatened us. They threatened us. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. You know what they did? They asked the Lord to give them the strength to preach the gospel. These are just mere men. Would you be afraid if somebody threatened you? If you thought they was going to take your life just for a second, you'd be kindly afraid. And you may, you may stand yesterday with boldness, but I need boldness today. And Peter knew it. Yeah, God is sovereign and God rules over all things, but God wants us to pray. We ought always to pray and not to faint. They asked the Lord to watch over them. Listen, Zechariah 2.8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the, after the glory hath he sent me into the nations which spoiled you. I want you to get this. For he that toucheth you touches the apple of his eye. Just for instance, an example. I would hate to see what would happen if you went back there and tried to touch that little girl. They would clog your eyeballs out. And what do you think, God? That we are, you think about this. This is humbling. The apple of his eye. He loved you. He gave himself for you. And he, you think he's just going to stand by. Now, they may, they may take your life, but you're his. He that touched that's what he said, you touch. What did he say about, what did he tell Pharaoh? He said, you touched my firstborn. You took my firstborn out there and you drowned them in a river. And I'm going to touch your firstborn. Kiss the son lest he be angry and his wrath is kindled but a little. Yeah, Herod there, I think it's in Acts chapter 8, when, yeah, we're going to kill James and it made everybody happy. And he thinks he's something. And the next day he's going to kill Peter. That's what he thinks. And God lets, turn, sends the angel and lets Peter go free. And old Herod, he's sitting up there with all of his garb on. And he's in like, they said, it's the voice of a God. And you know what happened? God eat him up with worms. He said, you've touched the apple of my eye. God is a God of love. He's a God of mercy. But I can tell you a thing. Don't you touch his anointed. Don't you touch his children. God doesn't take it lightly. It may seem like it goes on for a while. In the book of Revelation, they say, How long, O Lord, do you not avenge our blood? Look how they've killed children of God all through the ages. 
God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And they asked God to give them boldness to preach the gospel. By nature, we are, we're, we're just terrified. Who's sufficient for these things? Boldness. We have the right. God has sent us. He sent them into the world. And then lastly, they asked him to stretch forth his hand and to reveal his grace and his glory in their midst. And you know what he did? That's what we see in verse 31. By stretching, verse 30, stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by thy name and of the holy child Jesus. Now, those signs and wonders God did to prove to the world that these men were his preachers. The apostles had the ability not only to heal the sick, heal the blind, they actually had the, Paul raised a man from the dead. God did it, but he used those men. They were signs. Now, we don't have those signs. We don't have those credentials. You know why? We have the word of God. We have the complete revelation of God's word. But God stretched forth his hand, and he revealed his grace and his glory. Verse 31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. I don't know what all that shaking means. I know that there was a shaking. I know on the day of Pentecost, they came in like a rushing mighty wind. A shaking. By, in response to their prayer, what this shaking was a picture of, was it was a picture of God making himself known among them. Someone said the place was shaken that their faith might be established and not shaken. They want to shake you. They want to scare you. They want to threaten you. When he shakes the place, you don't have to be afraid. And the church was filled with the Spirit. And they were went and was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what was the evidence? They all, they spake the word of God with boldness. Someone said the Holy Spirit not only told them what to speak, it told them how to speak. We are to preach the gospel, but we're to speak the truth in love. It's sad to see men imagine a vain thing. It's sad to see men who will not bow. We know when we went through the book of Revelation, God sends all these things. The way he sends them to warn men, to call men, to cause men to think about a judgment and a day to come, and they won't listen. I tell you this. He has a people he's going to save. And you know what I pray he does? I pray he shakes this world. 
You know what they said on over in the book of Acts? They said, you know what these men have done? They've turned the world upside down. Really, they turned it right side up. I'd say if you turned the world upside down, you shook it. Do you know how they get nuts off a pecan tree? You've seen pecans. They're not that big. It would take forever to pick them by hand. Do you know what they do? I've seen it on TV. they got a big old machine. It walks up and it just grabs that tree and just shakes the fire out of it. You know how God gets the fruit from his children? Sometimes he shakes the tree. He shakes it. Sometimes he shakes us to our very foundation. So our faith may be in God, not in us. God help us to trust him. God help us to rest.